welcome to the Whole Story Podcast. This podcast series is focused on inspiring sustainability in agriculture using the framework of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, also known as the SDGs. Each week, our guests are invited to share their story, highlight a particular one of the 17 goals, and leave us with some practical tips for sustainability on farms. I'm Bex Smith, founder of The Whole Story, a B Corp certified social enterprise inspiring, facilitating, and articulating holistic sustainability in agriculture. And this podcast has been brought to life in partnership with the incredible team at FMG, who are passionate about partnering with organisations like The Whole Story, so together we can support rural New Zealand. So whatever you're doing while listening to this episode, thanks for choosing us. The best way you can support our mahi is to follow and share the show on whatever app you're listening on, and I hope this episode leaves you inspired and excited about the bigger picture of sustainability in agriculture. Today on the Whole Story podcast, I sit down with Kane Briscoe, dairy farmer from the Naki, founder of FarmFit, fellow podcaster, and hot off the press since the recording of this episode, Kane is now a published author with his book, Tools for the Top Paddock, available online and in bookstores nationwide. Kane and I have a good, honest Kiwi yarn. Warning, there's some hard truths in here, but there's also a heap of practicality to our conversation. This episode is based around United Nations Sustainable Development Goal 3, Good Health and Wellbeing. And this is as grassroots as it gets. Real farmers talking about the tough stuff, whether it be politics, mental health, or taking a bit more personal responsibility for looking after ourselves and those around us. So welcome along, everyone. Today we are talking with Kane Briscoe. He's the founder of FarmFit and He's going to be speaking to us today about the importance of good health and well-being for farmers' sustainability. Welcome along, Kane. G'day, Bex. Uh, lovely to be here. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, no worries at all. So let's kick right into it. Can you tell us a bit about the story of Kane Briscoe? It's a long story, but I grew up actually in town, but I was lucky enough. I had two older brothers and an uncle that was a dairy farmer, and we uh, we spent a lot of time out on the dairy farm there, and I guess that's where the passion started. For as long as I can remember, I always wanted to be a farmer and left school and actually started out dry stock farming. Spent five years running a dry stock farm after leaving school, learning all the tools of the trade, and did my OE. Came back and decided dairy farming was a, a better pathway, I guess, to where I wanted to go, and I've been dairy farming now, I think, for, oh, geez, 13 or 14 years. I've had a pretty quick progression through the ladder. Learned, learned a lot of lessons the hard way <laughs> when you do that. Yeah, that's more or less the story of, of the work life, I guess. I actually met my wife when I was 22. I came back from my OE after my brother's wedding and I gate crashed her 21st birthday party. So I met her there. I was that guy that turned up that nobody really knew. Yeah, met her there, and a few years later, we had our first child, who was now eight, I think, Ali. And we've got, yeah, three beautiful kids together, and the youngest is just two years old. My wife, she's a nurse, so we've got very different careers, I guess. I think that's been quite a good thing in a lot of ways. And yeah, I've got a really supportive family. My uncle sold his farm probably 10, 15 years ago. So none of us actually own a farm. My parents aren't farmers or anything like that, but my two older brothers are still farming. Uh, yes, I've not come from a farming background too much, but we're all really passionate about food production in the agricultural industry in New Zealand. 
we all share that and try and contribute to that in our own sort of ways. And I guess that's a big part of what FarmFit is trying to look out for New Zealand farmers, really. Yeah, that's awesome. It's actually amazing how much we've got in common, Kane, because all good relationships start at 21st. That's where my <laughs> husband and I met each other. I'm actually at a friend's 21st, but yeah, same yeah. story. And we've also got three kids and yeah, not from a farming background. So yeah, a lot of similarities right. there along the way. So yeah, you better check it over a whiskey one day or something. That sounds like a great idea. This podcast and the work that I do is really based around sustainability. And it, it's a big word and it's thrown around a lot these days. But what I'd really like to hear is what sustainability actually means to you. Yeah, yeah. Like I quite like the word sustainability, but you're right, it is thrown around a lot these days. We all know that the definition, I guess, of being sustainable is being able to do whatever it is you're doing long term or forever without without you know taking away from anything. But something that I really think needs to be added into the conversation around that, we often use that word when we're talking about farm systems, I guess, in agriculture. Is your farm sustainable? Is your food production method sustainable or whatever it may be? But I actually think on a personal level, I'm really passionate about asking people, is your passion sustainable? Is your workload sustainable? I've met so many farmers that, you know, with the same passion that I had when I was starting out and they do everything right and they work their ass off and they get to farm ownership and five or 10 years later, they're a different person because they lose their passion. How they did it wasn't quite sustainable. They burn out. They become that farmer that isn't passionate about farming anymore and is just doing it because that's all they know. I really like to add those sort of personal that aspect into that sustainability question. And that's that's what it means to me. It's not just about what you're focusing on, but it's what you're doing. It. Is that sustainable for you for the rest of your life? And, and I think that ties in quite well with health and fitness as well. We've got to be able to sustain what how we're living and how we're working and our relationships and that sort of thing. That's what sustainability means to me, is actually looking at yourself as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're so right. It's so important to be able to recognize what you're doing and the energy you're bringing to something. And you can have the best intent in the world, but if you're not able to sustain that energy and if you're not able to set yourself up in a systems way that actually you're able to sustain that, then it's almost like the energy and that passion's wasted. You don't get to see it to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're so right with the burnout piece because you see so many good people work really hard to get somewhere and then they just burn out. They just lose it because they've, they haven't created those sustainable systems in their life from that personal aspect to be able to actually continue on their goals. Yeah, so it is such an important piece of sustainability. And um, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It was cool. Yeah. So the next question I've got is, it's actually around, I generally ask people what their first link to agriculture is, but you, you've kind of touched on that. So I'm going yeah. to flip it a little bit. And I'm going to say, if you weren't going to go farming, and you implied that you always had wanted to go farming, but if you weren't, yeah. what would you have been doing? What would Kane Briscoe have been doing now? Yeah, good question. I Actually, when I was a teenager, I discovered a real love of sleep. So farming got quite unattractive for me in my mid-teens, to be fair. I seriously looked at army and the police force. I was probably looking at something along those lines. I think I was quite attracted to the armed forces, uh, something about the discipline and the outdoors and physical nature of it. I don't think I've quite got the patience for a police officer. They have to deal with a lot of that wasn't all that appealing to me, but yeah, I think I probably would have gone down, been in the army or something like that, I'd say. 
Yeah, and it's interesting that you draw those parallels there, that the being outdoors, the discipline, the hard work, do you know, that to farming is yeah. actually not that far away from each other, just a different avenue to be able to express that. Yeah, that's right. No, I think as farmers, we have a multitude of skills that we need to call on every day. And I, th- I think it would be very similar if, if you're in the army as well. It's a lot of problem solving and unique situations and, and it would be it's just like milking cows, it's the same thing every day, but every day is also different as well. So I think there is a lot of parallels there. Yeah, no, definitely. That's quite interesting. I don't know a teenager that doesn't like sleep really, so I don't think you're alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did not want to be a dairy farmer for about four or five years, I can promise you that. <laughs> so how do you cope with that now? Have you found that you don't, you're not so worried anymore about the lack of sleep or the early morning starts? Yeah, you get used to it. Eh? You, you, you find ways to appreciate it. I'm really big on getting to see the sunrise every morning now when I can see it. You learn to appreciate the good things about it. You can't dwell on the negatives. <laughs> Otherwise, it just it would do your head in. So, yeah, just getting towards those things with the right attitude and mindset towards it. I do love a good sleeping, but it's pretty hard to find one these days. Yeah, no, they're few and far between. Once you have kids, they're out the window <laughs> anyway, really. A lunchtime nap is very rare these days as well. Once you have kids, just a thing of the past. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. So you touched on there briefly that bit about mindset and that that attitude. So that is a really nice segue into the next part of the story, which is tell us more about your journey into Farm Fit and founding that. Yeah, when I think back, Farm Fit's been going now for three years, but when I think about my life, it probably actually the seed was planted probably when I was about 18. When I first went farming, moved to a totally new area, and the rugby club I played for decided to have a boxing tournament as a fundraiser in the off-season and to get the boys fit. I put my hand up and there was about nine of us, I think. We all trained and had this year boxing tournament and uh, sort of fell in love with the sport. I had a lot of positive, I guess, spin-offs for me. I got a lot better at rugby and better at my job as well. I was a lot fitter and more active and started looking after myself better. Really learned a lot about fitness in my body and what it's capable of through that. Ever since I had my first fight, I really wanted to pass on the sport of boxing to other people. It was became a dream of mine to actually open a boxing gym. But being a farmer living in a remote place, that was 17 years ago now, never really thought it would come to fruition, but always wanted to do it. Through challenges in farming, I found myself probably six or seven years ago in a mentally and not a good space. Retired from playing rugby, which was my social well-being and my fitness. Lost that. With it, a lot of my uh, mental clarity and positivity went as well. And over the course of probably three years, I battled through that and got myself right. And I actually used boxing. I actually started training and had another boxing fight at the age of, I think it was 29, I must have been, something like that. Might have been mid 30. And I just used that as a tool to start looking after myself again, mentally and physically. Once I'd got myself right and got the farm running right, I sort of looked around me at my uh, local community and thought, instead of waiting for like the government to come and do something for us to improve the services and, and to, to fix us all up, you know, mentally and physically, I thought, what can I offer the world? I was too far out of town to and didn't quite have the, enough time to commit to opening a boxing gym or anything like that, but I still have a lot of knowledge about fitness in the body. Obviously, understand how farmers, it's a physically demanding job and mentally demanding, but I've got a good understanding of our time constraints and what we, you know, 
all the things we need to be physically fit for farming. So yeah, it just all came together. Yeah, just put it out to the local community that I was going to be doing a couple of sessions a week for fitness. And if anyone wanted to join me, they could come along. And it's that's literally how it started on my driveway with a few people, a few neighbours. It just grew into something um, way bigger than I was anticipating, basically. That's awesome. I love the mentality there around not waiting for someone like government, for example, to come in and save you or to save us. It's actually about taking that position of how can we actually be a part of the solution and how can we use our unique skill sets to actually take the opportunity to lead something for ourselves. And I think that cross applies to so many different things we're seeing and challenges we face Mm. in agriculture. So I think that's yeah, it was a really way, nice way of framing that up. Yeah, at the end, there were so many reasons to start farm fit, and very little reasons not to do it. And one of the other reasons was it was actually just seeing people, I guess, on social media and on Facebook comments and whatnot, literally waiting and begging for the government to come and save their life, basically, and turn their life around for the better. Being a practical sort of a farmer, I think the services we have, a lot of them are the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. There's actually nothing stopping us as individuals building our own fence up the top of that cliff, so it's a little bit harder to fall off. And it's really that simple, taking a little bit of personal responsibility, and that can be applied to many aspects in life, but I think particularly your own mental and physical health, there are things you can do to help yourself. So yeah, part of starting FarmFit was just getting pissed off with a lot of people saying, you know, seeing that and having that attitude, and it's like, no, you've got to you got to start the journey yourself. It's got to be, it's got to be self-driven, you know, because you 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 know your body and your mind better than anyone else in the world. Really, the answers are there. You just got to find them within yourself. I think it's really empowering having someone like yourself. You're out there everyday farming, so as you say, you know it's a physically demanding job, but you do actually need to work on your fitness as well. And the same way that I don't think many outsiders perhaps can see. We're outdoors, we're working with animals. You'd think it's the recipe for really good mental health outcomes, but actually there's a whole lot of other stuff and challenges that we face Mm. that actually someone like yourself in that position knows those challenges, lives those challenges, and therefore, you know, is in such a great position to be able to help people take ownership of that and put the right tools in place to be able to work through that. Yeah, definitely. At the end of the day, I often use the All Blacks or professional rugby players as a bit of an analogy. If you're getting paid to play rugby, it's just an expectation that you go to the gym in the off-season, you get fit, and you maintain your fitness at least, and you get stronger, ready for the next season. I think we forget as farmers, we all get paid to do a job. I don't know whether it's just me, but like I feel I have an expectation to turn up to my job and be at the best that I can be and that means that I do have to have a certain level of fitness and strength and I've got to be able to make good positive decisions be a good person to work around and do the right thing by the cows for me we're professional farmers and I think we sort of forget that a little bit sometimes that it's just a requirement of the job that we should turn up being able to do it to the best of our ability Yeah, 100%. That's a really nice segue into talking about the work that I do with the whole story. Many of the listeners know, and if you've listened to some of the other episodes, you'll understand that my work and the Whole Story podcast series is based around the framework of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. This episode is particularly focused on goal number three, which is around good health and well-being. And so I thought we could just 
spend a little time diving into the targets underneath that. Now, in good health and well-being, there's some pretty lofty targets and really important targets from a global health perspective. But there's one in particular that I think the work that you do, Kane, is really important to, and that's target 3.4. That's talking about, by 2030, reducing one-third of premature mortality, so people dying before their time from non-communicable diseases, so diseases that aren't infectious or spread between others, through prevention and treatment and promote mental health and well-being. And I think that's just so pivotal to what you're doing is that promotion of a healthy mental state and well-being of farmers. I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, 100%. When you look around, I'm a big believer that our physical and mental health are really intertwined. They go hand in hand generally. You know, one supports the other. And when you get both in sync, you get a really productive, creative, happy human being that, you know, generally does a lot of good things in the world. There was was another one in there around, uh, you know, drug abuse and substance abuse and that sort of thing. And I just think those sorts of things are optional in life. I'm really passionate about getting people to pick the right option, if that makes sense. There's a lot of cards you get dealt in life that are non-negotiables you know they just they land in your hands you get dealt them and you've got to deal with them but a lot of these things um heart disease stroke um osteoporosis you know the list goes on diabetes um a lot of these can be managed and prevented with that bit of personal responsibility and good option taking so I'm, i'm hugely passionate around changing people's mindsets or attitudes or even enthusiasm i guess towards looking after yourself because you only get one go at it and no one really thinks about their health until they're sick once it gets to that point it's too bloody late so i'm hugely supportive of that if you look after yourself physically it's so much easier to be healthy upstairs as well you know it's those physical daily habits that you have, how you treat your body physically, what you put in it, what you do with it, really is a big part of holding up your mental health. So that's, yeah, I'm totally all for that. Yeah, definitely. And I guess it's just such an important part, especially, you know, we talk about the the challenges we face in the rural sector with mental health and, you know, really resonates with me, you just being that fence at the top of the cliff where actually we're looking after ourselves before we get to that point because sometimes you don't recognise you're there till it's too late and it's really hard to climb back up from that point. But if you put healthy habits in place at the start, then hopefully we're protecting ourselves and our peers even by role modelling what it looks like to actually, yeah, stop ourselves from actually going down that road yeah definitely i think when you're in a place in life where you're thriving it's so much easier to be self-aware and recognize things but once once you i guess dip down to the survival mode then it's really hard to it's really hard to be self-aware and it's really hard to do though hang on to those good habits because you're literally in survival mode you know and it's um, I, I see a lot of people in, in all industries, I guess, and, and through society that are just stuck in the survival mode where they just don't have the energy or the, the mental capacity to think about their own personal health or, or even their finances and things like that. They're literally just living one day at a time. And the more people we can get into thriving, you know, that you become more self-aware, you have a lot more energy, a lot more creative energy, a lot more passion. Um, you know, there's just a it's just so much easier to, to, to stay up there and, and um, 
you do just tend to to do better things for yourself and make better decisions and yeah that that self-awareness is absolutely key recognizing um, when things aren't quite right early you know prevention is always better than cure as they say you did right there so just an interesting one to dive into that a bit deeper is that when you do come across people who are in that surviving mode what's the first step to try and pull them out of that or to help them find their own path back to that thriving or to that self-awareness yeah it's a really good question and I guess it depends on the circumstance a little bit but you need to be able to support them in a way that they can't support themselves probably a little bit off topic from farming but if you think about financial circumstances in New Zealand there's a lot of people obviously really struggling and you can look at a lot of those people and perhaps draw a link that that maybe they don't look after themselves that well as well it's a gross generalization but I think it's probably fair from what I've seen just throughout my life but people are so worried about paying tomorrow's bill or being able to fill up the car with gas or put food on the table for their kids tomorrow. They're so worried and consumed by that that they don't actually have any other space in their life to worry about going for a walk in the morning or having a couple of glasses of water instead of a six-pack of beer because they're using that beer to try and forget about their worries. How do we support people so that they have that little bit of space in their mind or time in their life where they can focus on those good things? And I, and I think that's just one aspect of how to explain it or look at it. But yeah, it's finding what you can do to support them so that there's one less one one less thing that's consuming their mind and their energy. Because when you were stressing about the bills or something like that, and farmers will be be able to resonate with this. You know, if you're in the middle of a drought and you've got no money and you've got to feed your animals and stuff, it's all consuming. It's all you think about 24 hours a day. And you really, it sucks the energy out of you. The last thing you really feel like doing is going and playing um, a game of social hockey or something or whatever, because you're too worried about your animals and too worried about how you're going to pay the feed bill tomorrow or the bank's breathing down your neck. It really starts consuming your life, that sort of thing. So I guess my advice is to try and understand that person's situation, what is consuming them and sucking out their energy and finding a way to to help support them with that, whether it's encouraging them to get in some professional help, maybe an accountant or something that you know, or a financial advisor or personal trainer that could come along and take the worry and the decision making out of their life because they just don't have the mental space for it. Yeah, I love that. Just the concept of being able to ease that burden a little bit to create that little bit of white space. Yeah, Yeah. you just nailed it. It's such a, so important to be able to create that space for people to go into that mindset. That's That's really useful. So I guess looking at the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals again, I'd love to know, within those 17 goals, which one of those would align most personally to you and why? It may be good health and well-being, but it may actually be something different. To me, it is that health and well-being, because like I've said, if you can get a a population that's thriving, people that are thriving are so good at solving problems. And as you well know, there's a lot of problems out there that need solvings. We've never had it better in most ways. Yeah, we seem to be struggling more mentally and physically. And it's, I'm just, it pisses me off in a way because I'm like, we're so awesome. We've got an incredible mind. We've got an incredible body that can do amazing things. 
I just see a lot of almost wasted potential out there in the world. And it's a little bit sad, but I'm incredibly passionate about trying to get people to realize their potential in whatever way that may be. I think if you've got healthy people, you've got a healthy planet. And if you've got healthy, happy farmers, you've got healthy, happy cows, healthy, happy land, healthy, happy farms. So I think it, it all starts with us, really. We're, we're the makers of our destiny. Great people could do great things. And that's, yeah, so that's my answer, really. I, I think it is the one that I'm drawn to the most. Yeah, and that definitely shines through in your value set and everything you're living and doing. So that, that makes total sense. And what I love is that it's, it is so often talked about that we, do, we are facing some wicked problems in the world. And yeah. it's hard to be innovative and open-minded and solve these wicked problems. It'll be solutions-focused when you are in a space that's, like you say, not thriving and when you're down in the dumps and when you're defensive and when you're just in survival mode, you actually don't have the mind space and the energy to be able to think about mm. solutions and to innovate and take opportunities. And, yeah, 100%, mm. like, just wasted potential with these beautiful brains that we have and these strong bodies that we're given and we can solve pretty big problems if we are in the right frame of mind so it's it is really crucial to actually be able to tackle all of these other challenges is just to be in that good health and well-being space i like that at the end of the day we're the most important cog in the wheel whether you're talking about your own personal farm situation or family on a global scale environment's a hot topic we're the biggest part in that it's not cows it's people I get a little bit pissed off that farming gets all the blame around the environment, but it's a simple fact for the technology and understanding that we have of life and food. We've got too many people for what we don't now. I mean, it's pretty bloody simple, but no one wants to say it. But we just hope that, I guess, technology catches up and we learn and get better at doing things that we're able to support ourselves. But yeah, we're the most important cog in, in the whole system here. Yeah, and you know, you hear people talk about it more and more these days. The planet will actually be fine without us once it gets rid of us. <laughs> It'll actually sort itself out just fine. And the cows will be probably still be around to enjoy that too, but exactly. we may not be, do you know? So as you say, yeah, like yeah. we're a pretty big important part of saving our own existence. We've stuffed things up more than anything else is, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so we've got a bit of work to do, but hey, if we get <laughs> the right headspace to do it, I reckon we can solve some pretty big problems. We don't have many options. We either do or we don't with debt, so <laughs> someone's got to figure it out. <laughs> so we're probably climbing pretty heavily into the next question, which was about what do you see as the biggest challenge to New Zealand's agricultural sector, specifically regarding sustainability, and how would you flip this script and turn that into an opportunity? Because you've got a pretty good headspace to tackle that. Yeah. It's a big question, eh? and it's, it is a question that's getting asked a lot is where is agricultural going in New Zealand? Personally, I think in the next 10 years, there'll be some really big shifts and I think particularly dairy farming, but sheep and beef as well, about how we actually go about farming our land and our animals. And the challenge is, is that going to be done willingly by farmers or is that going to be forced upon us? To be honest, I think that's a really big challenge for us as a country is where are we going to draw the line, I guess, in uh, regulation and rules and farmer-led action. Most New Zealand farmers can be pretty stubborn and they head strong and they don't like being told what to do. So I think that's a huge challenge to uh, what the balance is going to be there between farmers and government. That relationship's really important. 
think it'd be fair to say it's being tested um, pretty rigor- rigorously at the moment. And I think that's going to get worse as time goes on. So how we adapt, I don't think it's a matter of are we going to change? I think we have to change. It's the challenge for me I see, is that going to be far? Are we going to be allowed to do that farmer-led or is it going to be forced upon us? And is there going to be a lot of friction between, as we're seeing actually this week, uh, the Dutch farmers are having a nice little protest over there because they're being forced to do a lot of things they don't want to do. I think that's going to be a really interesting time over the next three to five years. And I think in 10 years, we'll see start seeing some really big changes around how we're actually farming. So I know it's a tough one because the whole world's, it's really hard to pick what's happening in the world, to be honest. There's a consumer demand that's not matched with the reality of food production as well. I guess everyone wants to clean and green and sustainable and environmentally friendly and that looks a little bit different to everyone, but at the same time, we've actually got to produce way more food than we're producing right now because there's a lot of people going hungry. So it's finding a solution to that that, that keeps everyone happy and yeah, that, that balance between being forced into something you're, you're not already doing, not if it's a, a different route to what you think is right, is incredibly difficult obstacle for individuals to overcome. So that's sort of what I see is going to be a big problem, I think, over the next five to 10 years. Yeah. So are you seeing a lot of, do you think, opportunities for that farmer-led solution space or for that space of a consumer-farmer understanding, like bridging that gap in understanding? Yeah, and I'm actually a really big fan of what a lot of the sheep and beef farmers have done in marketing themselves. A lot of them probably didn't have a lot of choice, and no doubt it was incredibly hard, but there's probably a lot of them sitting back now in a really good space. They've got a direct access to a great consumer and a great relationship with them and a and a great relationship with the people that buy their products. Talking a lot about wool and, and meat, obviously. Like in, in Taranaki, we have Green Meadows Beef, I think it is. They're direct from farm to consumer, great meat product, and they've got a great brand and a great relationship with their customers around the place. And there's many stories of that around New Zealand. So I'm a big fan of that. I think there's definitely opportunities in creating your own brand as a farming business and having a relationship that's direct to the customer. I think there's a, a, an absolute heap of opportunity in that. And I think we're only just scratching the surface there, really. I see in the future that becoming much more of a norm. And it's a little bit harder, I guess, with dairy farming that we've got this big dairy giant in Fonterra that does a great job and is, I think, is heading in a, a really good direction. But I think the way that the world's going a little bit, I think there will be a lot more, I guess, yeah, direct farm sales of uh, dairy products or smaller dairy companies that are willing to do that niche product or a bit more traceability or, or that, you know, a lot of people just have a genuine interest in knowing where their foods come from and hearing the story behind that's really important too. And us farmers have to get way better at telling our story and, and being proud of it. And there's a lot of farmers in New Zealand. And if we all, I guess, told our story a little bit better. There's a lot of voices that will actually come up and that will drown out a lot of the bull that goes against us in all honesty. So I think we've got to be a bit more open to doing that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you've only got to look over at the the States and see their direct-to-consumer meat product and the the Instagram people I follow and everything. Like, it's just next level over there and they're really shining a light on that trend and how it's coming. And as you say, it's New Zealanders, we're such a humble bunch and we're not very good at standing ourselves up and saying what we're proud of. 
it's interesting you mentioned like some of those Instagram accounts from uh, you know even in farmers in America or England they have a huge following and it really says something about getting people in behind agriculture and uh, something I've touched on a bit in the past is you know the rural urban divide and I think a lot of urban people we, they just don't know us they don't know us anymore they don't know our story they don't know what we do so I think in in part of of getting the country behind farming again is actually we've got to tell them what we're doing and how we're doing it and it's not leaving it up to Fonterra to do it or Dairy NZ or Beef and Lamb it's they want to hear from real people with a real face with a real story and a lot of these farms have great stories behind them been in families for five or six generations and got some great stories about what's happened on that place that's what people in town want to hear about they want to hear how good it is and how hard it is and what we go through to to put food on their table and do it in a way that's not we don't want to thank you we just want you to understand and i think that's really important and part of that storytelling is we don't want to pat on the back all the time we just want you to understand and have a relationship with us and talk to us again yeah yeah we just i mean we need to stand up and introduce ourselves i think you don't connect to a brand through the packaging or through, through a plastic bottle of milk or through meat that you pick up off the shelf in a supermarket. But as you say, if you follow these people on Instagram and the massive amount of following and the merchandise they produce and people in the middle of cities in New York are wearing these farm merchandise t-shirts and stuff and they're proud yeah. to be connected with these farms out, out in the land. And I think it's something we need to be aware of that's happening in the world and what they are probably role modelling well for us is actually how they tell their story to the people that connect with their brands. Absolutely. Like, how good would it be? Like, I've been to Auckland probably more in the last three years that I've been there my whole life, but how good would it be to be walking through Auckland and see a a cow on a bloody hoodie, you know? Like, it would be magic as a farmer. I'm picking on Auckland here, but we all know why. To feel like you're welcome there, that people like what you do, it would just be magic, I reckon. Yeah, it would. And I know I've got a friend in the States who's, yeah, she's been on a big thing at the moment. Everyone's wearing Yellowstone like merchandise around oh, yeah. supporting Yellowstone Ranch. And she's, hey, here, guys, here, have some real farm merchandise. So these are all farmers out in your own country. And she set up a website, actually stocks merchandise from a whole lot of different ranches over there. And she's, so she's selling out like flat sticks because people are, you know, ranching's cool and they're wanting to actually um, <laughs> represent real ranches in the towns. And I think that's just, that's so magic to be a part of that's that awesome. bridge. Um, and, and I think that, yeah. you know, there's a whole heap of really cool things happening in the world if you just take a step back and have a look at, at what opportunities people are finding to connect with consumers and share their brand story. Definitely. You just, you've got to be open to seeing it, I think. You've got to be open to seeing it. And yeah, we're a little bit behind the tiles because if you think back 50 years ago, then everyone in New Zealand knew a farm or stayed on a farm. But yeah, we're still stuck with that mindset back then from 50 years ago. But yeah, we need to keep up with the play and change. And we're, we're half the solution in bridging that divide and changing the food production system or meeting the consumers what they want. We've got to take ownership of that, that part of it that responsibility so uh, yeah it's going to be going to be fun to see over the next five or ten years <laughs> some some more kiwi farmers uh telling their story out there it sure is so coming a bit closer to home than five to ten years out i guess what i'd like to know and i'm sure many people listening would like to know is what's coming up next for the next 12 months for Kane? because i i hear there's some pretty exciting news on the horizon for farm fit anyway <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, in a month's time, we've got my very own book being released to the general public. Over the last seven months, really, or probably even eight months, that's been a, a massive focus of my time and energy, putting that together and working through that process. And you're pretty excited, but nervous to, to get that out to the public. But yeah, definitely the next six months, there'll be a lot of, a lot of things uh, around that. I'm not big on promoting things, but I guess I've got to promote it a little bit. And yeah, I'm excited to see what sort of opportunities come off the back of it, and the response from people. And I did it to try and help some more people and reach an audience in a different sort of a long form, a little bit more personal way, I guess. I don't have too many plans, in all honesty, apart from that. We've just moved to a new farm, so there's a lot of work to do there and, and get that up and running how I want it. But yeah, the book's pretty a pretty big uh, once in a lifetime sort of a thing. So there'd be a fair bit of fair bit of energy put in into getting that out to people. And um, yeah, I guess the more people that read it, the more people will um, get some value out of it, mate. Congratulations, man! That is epic. That's not a small undertaking, and I think uh, <laughs> yeah, well done. That Thank is you. awesome, and I really look forward. To, I look forward to having a read. I'm going to get my hands on a signed copy. Actually, I'm going to hit you up and. Yeah, 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 I reckon that's going to be, oh, I can't wait to have a look. And I know that, you know, the ability for that to actually extend the good work that you do and to be able to positively impact more people, as you say, to get that wider audience impacted. Good on you for actually putting in that hard mahi to get that across the line because that is not yeah, easy. Yeah, it's not easy. No, it's not easy. It's, it's actually a really... Um, it was a great process, but it was also really draining as well. And it does take a lot of energy to to put something like that together. But you don't know until you do it, I guess. <laughs> I was pretty naive to um, maybe when I said yes to doing it and what it actually took. But yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited to get it out there and I guess finish the process off from starting it to getting it out to the public will be good to be good to get that done. And yeah, look forward to a review from you. <laughs> Hard out. I'll definitely I'll give you one of those. <laughs> You'll hope it's a good one though, eh? <laughs> I'll take the good with the bad, mate. It can't all be good. Awesome. You're a practical kind of fella, so I guess we'll end this on a practical note because I like to keep it really tangible for farmers out there. Yep. What's one practical take home action that you reckon farming businesses can take to contribute to sustainability? When it comes to this there's farming and, and there's business and there's people and they're, they're all, um, you know, I guess in a, in a triangle, so to speak. What I'm a little bit concerned about is people have gone too much away from farming and people towards business and making their business sustainable, which is hugely important. Don't get me wrong. We, we need that. We need to be profitable. We need to be able to weather the storms of the prices that we get thrown at us. But we've also got to remember not to go too far and forget about the farming and the people because without that, you don't have a business. Without the people, you don't have anyone running your farm. So I, I think it's it's super important that we make sure we have a really good balance between those three things. Do a good job on your farm, make sure your business is running well and really look after your people because that's a really big threat to our our industry here in New Zealand is, is we need people to get up and milk the cows. They don't do it themselves, unfortunately, yet. Unless you've got a, a spare few mil to chuck some robots in, but even then they need they need people managing them too. If there's no one to milk, the cows don't get milked. And if the cows don't get milked, food doesn't go on the table. Yeah, I would say making sure your balance between those three things is in a healthy spot in the middle um, where it's not too much one way would be my advice. 
I love that. I love that people are at the core of it, aren't they? It's really, yeah, yeah look after your people because <laughs> without people, what are we doing? Not much. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. We've got to we've got to look after ourselves and look after the people around us. And for a lot of people, if you're a farm owner or a share milker with a team, it's treating them like people, not not just workers. You treat them, see them as a person first, rather than a cow milker or a cupslant or a hill runner, so to speak. It's actually seeing the person that's standing next to you, not not their um, job title. Yeah, I think that's just so important. Oh well, I'd love to just say a real massive thank you for this chat Kane I've really enjoyed it and you know you've been so generous with your time but also with your thoughts on a whole range of different topics and also thank you for the hard work you're doing because really it's so important to not just our sector but you know Aotearoa New Zealand that you know someone out there is building fences at the top of the cliff and there are many people doing good work in this space but I just think farm fits so crucial to our rural sector and you know the health and well-being of farmers in New Zealand so thank you so much. No oh, I thank you very much Bex it's very kind words and um, yeah at the end of the day it's we've all got I guess once we've looked after ourselves we sort of ask the question um, what can we do for the, those around us and um, you know I've got farm fit obviously but you know you doing this podcast to, to put out to others you know extracting value from other people um, to help others is, is exactly the same in my boat so um, thank you for doing what you do as well thanks for listening to this episode of the whole story podcast we really hope you enjoyed it and are feeling inspired and optimistic about putting sustainability into practice on farm i have one last request for you before you go make sure whatever platform you're listening to us on that you hit follow and share the show or episodes with your friends so that together we can grow our community and inspire sustainability and agriculture in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And thanks again to FMG for partnering with The Whole Story so that we could bring this podcast to life for you all to enjoy. Catch you next time.